Stafford First, Laura Tingle, Chief Political Correspondent with 7.30 all the week. All the eyes have been on the uh, Gama Festival, Laura, attended by our beloved Prime Minister. Uh, he went there to, uh, well, to reset the campaign for a voice to Parliament. What was voiced? What was voiced at, at Gama? I've got to say, Philip, the line dropped out for a moment there, so I'm just, I'm just winging it here a little bit. <laughs> What the question was. Um, well, the question what, was, what went on at Gama in re- with on? our beloved Prime Minister? Yes, sorry, sorry to interrupt the poetry of the question. Um, what went on at Gama was, um, I think, re- in reality, a, um, a sort of a bit of a reality check. Uh, last year, we were full of poetry and, you know, greater good and, you know, the country was all going to come together and we were going to have bipartisanship and it was all going to be wonderful. All the Prime Minister could say this year at Gama was, we're going to still go ahead with a referendum. Um, and uh, I think that was probably a bit demoralising in one at one level, but I think people always have a good time at Gama and feel positive about things and there are lots of really good conversations up there. But it was a point um, where the whole discussion was crystallised after a fairly unpleasant week in federal parliament where um, the coalition was asking all these questions which, as the Prime Minister said, were about everything other than what was actually going to be discussed in the referendum. Um, you know, they were trying to link it to what um, might happen with the treaty uh, treaty process, what might happen with truth-telling. Uh, and, you know, it, it. I think we've only just seen in the last week, Philip, a sort of this sort of nature of the political divide that exists on The Voice. But surely, surely Elbo and Dutton could have a lovely chat at Gama. They could have sent her sat, sat to one side. Oh, Dutton didn't go. Oh, he didn't go. No, he didn't go. Um, nobody went. Um, and this was a point of um, pride, really, for the opposition leader. He was saying that um, it was just this sort of loving for business chief executives and other generally woke people. And, of course, Philip, we always regard business chief executives as being very woke, don't we? Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well known for being woke. They um, are. They are. <laughs> uh, but uh, he wasn't going to be uh, going there. Thank you very much. Well, he missed of... something. As you remember, <laughs> Late Night Live always went to Gama until... Uh, my health prevented returning. It's a fabulous place and a great chance to sit down and have a good yarn. Have a good chat with people about sort of all sorts of things, not just about the voice. Hmm? Now, what did Noel Pearson have to say? I understand he's been appealing to uh, conservative-leaning voters, arguing that the voice will lead to Indigenous Australians taking greater responsibility for, yes, closing the gap. That's right. He's basically been saying, "Look, you know, we, you know, we we would have to be responsible for our own futures. Um, you know, we won't cost you as much. Um, I mean, why is it that it always comes back to to money, Philip? I mean, uh, we've got um, uh, the opposition to the voice uh, arguing uh, that um, that the voice will lead to treaty, which will lead to reparations and or increased taxes. Some of the claims are really out there on this stuff um, and pretty and pretty crazy. Um, and I think Noel Pearson's trying to address that uh, by 
you know, making it the argument for the practical issues, which is to say, look, this is about us trying to get better outcomes, which are also cheaper outcomes, but if they fail, it's on us. You know, we're not going to just, you know, we are taking back agency of of our lives and as a result, we're going to get better outcomes and, you know, for, you know, average taxpayers, that's got to be good as well. Over the months you and I have been discussing The Voice, again and again I've uh, said that I was absolutely confident that uh, sanity would prevail and that it would romp home. I now uh, withdraw that and uh, wonder what I was what I was taking at the time. Well, Philip, I suppose the, the, the point that p- people have made about it is um, certainly that's what the polls are suggesting, uh, but the question that we don't know the answer to is how many people just aren't paying any attention? I mean, so many people are now completely disengaged from politics, whether it's The Voice or anything else. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it's sort of... Uh, it's happening at the same time as the sort of disconnection from the news in general. People are, you know, post-pandemic are particularly sick of hearing depressing news. Um, they, they don't want to know about what's going on in the world. They've just had enough of it all in uh, altogether. All Plus, um, there's sort of a general disconnect about uh, about the voice. So, um, the Prime Minister, I think, partly in recognition of this and partly because things aren't going very well, is talking about just having this very short, sharp campaign um, for a, you know a few weeks before what is expected to be an October 14 referendum, though that hasn't been confirmed. And he is hoping that, you know, when it push comes to shove, people will sort of make a decision um, out of a better angels of their natures. You're suggesting in a way that Dutton's prime target is not the voice itself, but Albo. Yes, that's that's. I think that's quite clear now that um, uh, uh, that without a doubt um, the coalition's playing this um, very heavily as a political play. That they see that um, the prime minister would be badly damaged by um, by losing the referendum, and um, that uh, that you know th- thus they may benefit from it. I mean, it, it is more um, multi-levelled than that. Their arguments uh, and their beliefs, but without a doubt, um, it's being seen very much as a political play. While waiting to hear your dulcets, I was had an ear on the news and. Uh, this extraordinary story coming through from Western Australia where the government might be about to uh, backflip on a very recent law. This also feeds into the whole voice debate. Tell us what the hell is going on. So the um, this follows the um, terrible um, blowing up of that gorge a couple of years ago um, where, you know, this 46,000-year-old uh, sacred site was blown up um, by Rio Tinto um, that provoked uh, some state legislation aimed at protecting um, cultural heritage. Uh, it's all gone terribly awry in the West. And then as part of the attack on um, The Voice last week in uh, the federal parliament, uh, we saw the nationals uh, relate this all to agricultural uh, land rather than miners and essentially say that, um, you know, ask all these questions which said, you know, what, you know, because the, the federal government's also looking at trying to protect cultural heritage um, and suggesting that they were 
basically doing the same as the West Australians, which it's not clear that they were, um, and then going the next step and saying that, you know, that there was this implicit link between what was happening on cultural heritage and the push for the voice. So all sorts of weird stuff is being shoved into the same box, Philip, at the moment, which is um, not very edifying for any of us. Uh, but, um, you know, this this was this sort of push to link the uh, West Australian um, legislation, uh, which, you know, is primarily driven by some of the actions of mining companies, uh, but which has been sort of muddied by linking it to what happens on farms and then linking it into uh, federal actions which haven't been taken yet uh, and linking that into the voice. Um, so, as I said, pretty unedifying. You know that old uh, line out of Monty Python that makes my brain hurt? <laughs> my brain hurts whenever I look towards the ACT this day, these days oh. and, and the Bruce uh, Lehman business. Do you understand uh, what's happened with this report today? Um, well, somebody observed uh, tonight to me, um, you know, everything is associated with this entire story. Um, it's it's like kryptonite. Uh, so um, bottom line is um, the ACT, Director of Public Prosecutions, um, complained that the um, local branch of the Federal Police, who police us here in the ACT, had, um, you know, done bad things in their... Um, handling of the Brittany Higgins case. Uh, this led to um, a judge from Queensland called Walter Sofronoff being brought in to uh, examine the way the police, the Director of Public Prosecutions and various other parties handled the Brittany Higgins case. Now, um, another player in this, without a doubt, has been particularly the Australian, which has run a very aggressive campaign uh, which has argued that um, Bruce Lerman, the uh, young man um, who uh, was accused uh, of allegedly raping uh, Brittany Higgins, but who's had no findings against him, they've taken up his case with alacrity. Um, now, um, Walter Sofronoff handed his report to the ACT government on his findings at the end of last week. And the plan was that the ACT government was going to consider this because it's got all sorts of implications for the ACT legal system, apart from anything else, and then release its report. Um, but um, even before the ACT government had got it, the um, report had been leaked to a number of news outlets, notably The Australian, uh, who wrote um, a very damning version of what the report said about um, Shane Drumgold, the ACT Director of Public Prosecutions, who without a doubt comes out of it looking very, very bad. Um, and he has subsequently resigned, saying that, you know, his position was untenable. Um, it was found that, you know, some of the claims that he had made that led to the inquiry were not sustained and um, and so forth. Um, and um, so, But the, the crucial thing, I think, that um, was found in the uh, report was that um, the... Uh, the, the, it was the correct decision to prosecute Bruce Lehrman, um, but there were um, concerns by the police about whether they would have enough evidence for the prosecution to be successful. Now, um, that's that it is often you know a, a brawl between the uh, police and the DPP about that. But you know, uh, so uh, the DPP's come out of it badly. But now, so has Walter Sofronoff because he apparently oversaw the leaking of this report, 
which under ACT law turns out to be something that is in contradiction or contravention of the legislation in which the inquiry was set up. So Laura, the, Laura. the minister is now... I'm finishing, <laughs> Philip. The, the minister is now inquiring into the circumstances of the leaks. Laura, A terrible mess. I'm Laura, stopping, Philip. Laura, my brain still hurts, but thank you for trying to untangle and untangle with tingle. That's uh, Laura, Chief Political Correspondent, 7.30. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.